Welcome to episode 63 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Supergiant Games Bastion. As always, you can check out everything we do at our website, leftbehindgame.club, our Discord channel that you can find on our website at leftbehindgame.club, on Twitter at leftbehindclub, and on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. On this week's episode, I needed a little bit more energy for the podcast, so I used my anime energy to get there. Are we ready, ready? We're ready, ready. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready, Fred. Are you ready? Itatakimasu. Bring the energy. <laughs> I think he's going super sane. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm here to talk about a game I'm conflicted about. Oh boy. Our second friend is one that you haven't heard from in a few episodes. He's back, Mo Murtadi. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back, guys. Was that your impression of the narrator in this game, Bastion? Oh no, I have an impression. It's coming. Stay oh, tuned. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to have dueling impressions. The Traveler. The Traveler. Our third guest uh, hits his second time back on the show. Uh, Nick O'Hagan Wong, thank you so much the for joining us again. Himself. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Today uh, we are Anime. playing. <laughs> Today we are talking about Bastion. Uh, it is a game developed by Supergiant Games, published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Uh, it has been released on every platform, including PlayStation Vita. Uh, original release date on July 20th, 2011. Mo is having a moment. Since when do people still make games for Vita? I mean, this came out in like the mid, mid-2000s. Well, that was so. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, I'm like, back. What's a Vita next? even? Yeah. Right? Don't. 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 I've, I've been trying to buy one for like 14 years. <laughs> Do you want mine? Well, free? And no, it's hanging out in my room if you want it. Nah. Um, gentlemen, tell me about your history with this game. What did you know about Bastion going in? I knew absolutely nothing. Um, it was one of those games where, I, to be honest, I confused it with Braid because it kind of had the same like design um, and like color pattern. So when someone's like, hey, have you played Bastion? I'm like, yeah, I played it. It's the time thing, right? And no, it wasn't. So... Um, it was just something that I'd see on Steam. The artwork for the game when you buy it also kind of looks the same. Didn't really know much. And when I jumped in, I was, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is not Braid. And that's all I knew. <laughs> uh, so I had followed this game all throughout its development. Uh, being a fan of Giant Bomb, uh, they had a really strong relationship with Supergiant Games. And they had this kind of weird trade-off where they were covering this game right from the very beginning in its development. Um, which is something that they had typically not done, but because I think they were good friends with Greg Kasavin, who uh, I think was the producer on the game, um, and a writer as well, um, they decided to, to have Making the Bastion. Uh, I think that's what it was called. Building the building Bastion. Building the Bastion. I knew it was a little off. Yeah, Building the Bastion, where they did behind the scenes making it, and you know throughout the process, I wasn't so enthralled that i was like i need to play this game but it looked good and then when it came out i it got like amazing reviews i hopped on it and i loved it 
So this is one of those games I've always heard about it. When it came out, it was like, oh, yeah, people are starting to love this game. You know, Steam had great ratings. Everyone loved it. They came out with a voice pack for Dota. So that really, like, you know, I was that's always... That's when you know you've made it. Yeah, that's when you know you've made it. So I always had... It was in the back of my mind always, but never really got around to it. Got into it. Kind of conflicted, as is Mo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the extent of it. Jacob, what was your experience? I share a similar experience to you, Mike, where as an early fan of Giant Bomb, uh, I watched Building the Bastion and played it when it first came out, mm-hmm. uh, Xbox 360. Yes. I, I think it wasn't Summer of Arcade, but it did come out in July. So it yes. and it, I, it benefited from that. So if you look at the game's Wikipedia page, the game sold half a million copies really quickly, and a lot of that was due to being on Xbox Live Arcade because it, at that point it was this curated experience where very few games would come out, and it was always the cream of the crop that raised the top. And you had to pub- you had to partner with a big publisher to get your game on there because they had slots. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah, every publisher would have a certain amount of slots, and even if you the game was self funded, developed on your own, you needed to get with a publisher in order to get one of those Xbox Live Arcade slots. Mm -hmm. And all I remember doing was looking at these games and the publishers that were partnered with them thinking like, there is no way that this makes financial sense for you guys. Mm -hmm. Because like, this is not going to move numbers in the way that you need need it to and and the way that other games need it to. And anyways, I'm glad they've moved away from that model and it's more direct publishing. Yeah. Um, So now that we've talked about our personal histories, um, tell me how you played Bastion. I'll just start and say that I played it on the Nintendo Switch. And like I said, the second time I played it, first time was on Xbox 360. Uh, First of all, I think it's one of the... It would be a sweet game to play on Switch just because the way it's like a quick consumption, jump into War World, collect some items, and just leave and live your life, do whatever you want to do. I played it on uh, PC with Steam, mouse and keyboard style, like I always do. Shout out PC Master Race. Mike, how did you play it? I played it on my Xbox 360. So I had to wipe off the dust and make sure the HDMI was plugged in. Wow. And found it right where I left it, sitting on my hard drive, ready to go. You had an Xbox 360 with an HDMI port? Yes. Because the earliest models didn't have one. I've had five different Xbox 360s. Hey, me too. Good old red rings. Right? Red rings just force you to upgrade. So... I played on Steam on PC, but I did use an Xbox 360 controller. Okay. It's a good blend. This is one of the first games where every single person either played it on a different platform or a different way to play it. So me and, I guess, Nick differentiate with the controller versus the keyboard. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how that turns out. Um, What is Bastion? Ah. Bastion is an isometric hack and slash adventure game. Is that is that can can I do the uh, can I do the mo version of the explanation? Yeah, let's, let's do the mo. Let's version. hear this. I missed this. Okay, this is like There's a, a camera in the corner, <laughs> and you got you got weapons, and you hit things. Well, more or less, essentially. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Mo. You're you're much brighter and articulate than that. I don't know why I've barely. Anyways, you. Uh, no. So essentially, it, it, the 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 layman's explanation for someone who hasn't played it whatsoever is. Um, it's a two and a half D platformer, more or less. Um, so it's not the three. When do you jump, Mo? Sorry. When do you jump? No, in terms of the 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 way you're actually looking at the map itself, it's not going left or right in two like two directions. Not going. You can't go three D all around. Um, so in like game development, it's essentially described as a two and a half D 
uh, video game. The really cool thing about it, though, is as you kind of traverse the world, the world gets created as you move forward, which is one of the coolest things visually for the game. And I think when anyone picks up the game and plays it, they're like, whoa, this is the different thing. This is the thing that makes it different from another game because the world, you're going through it and it lights up. I think the best way to explain it would be like if you're running into a dungeon that you haven't explored before in the map, if you haven't been to the location, it's hidden from you. You don't know what's there until you get there and it kind of shows itself with weapons that you can kind of build up when you collect items, guns, bows, knives, swords, bows, everything in between. You kind of have the ability to expand your arsenal and, I guess, go through the storyline. I explained it almost as like a reverse Indiana Jones. Like, imagine that you're running away from the boulder and the whole world is falling away, but instead of falling away, it's actually coming up. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like the world is being built as the narrator explains what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess we should probably explain the narrator, but yeah, it's essentially Red Dead Redemption's narrator um, in between <laughs> the storylines. And I, when as soon as I heard it, I was like, really cool because all you hear is, "And now we went to go shoot up the bar." Little did he know the bar had weapons in it. It was like very like this is going to be epic, but it stayed the same tone the entire game. And then you're almost halfway through, I'm like, okay, can we like stop this like sarcastic narration? Like, can I can I hear an actual person, not this like guy who was a voice actor who's just way too into it? But it was fun. It was fun. I, I take issue it. with that, Mo. I loved the voice acting in this, especially knowing how little experience. The the I'm blanking on his Logan name. Cunningham. That's it, Cunningham. I remember that. Uh, he had. No experience doing voiceovers before voice acting. This was his very first gig. Cool, and like it was such a memorable voice, and I think he does such a good job. Like it really left an impression. And I think that you know, without ranting on and on and on, the sound design is fantastic. Like they have all these little lines and quips. No matter what you're doing, the narrator has something to say about it yeah. when you least expect it too, which is amazing. I think my favorite part is just the small menial tasks that you'll do. You'll be like, he tried to go that way. Little did he know his road was blocked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just small little thing. <laughs> like everything is epic. No matter what. Yeah. He picked up a stone. It didn't do anything. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Like, he kept rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was very it was very fun. It was different, um, and it was nice like having like your own personal narrator in your life. And he was just just as excited with anything that you did, which I think is uh, I think it points out that like this game is a hero's tale. It's it's heroic. Everything about this game seems heroic, um, and I think that kind of matches having a narrator tell your story and you know make it seem like everything you're doing is amazing. So you've kind of described it as like this platformer. It's I, in my mind, it's more of like an action RPG because a hundred percent of what you're doing is just like, like you said, Mo hacking, slashing, using bows, using fire to kill enemies, leveling up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is that a fair assessment of how the game plays? Was that your initial impression of the game? Yeah, yeah, essentially, more or less. Yeah. So. Um, the the way the game works is that you, I think you start with just the hammer. Is that it? Mm. Uh, and as you progress through the game, you find other weapons and other upgrades. I think the upgrades take the form of tonics, um, and they allow you to choose different buffs and different um, multipliers and effects that happen on your attacks, and that allows you to collect more or less currency in the game, which allows you to upgrade your weapons in in a tree. I think it's uh, either go left or you go right. 
uh, and you pick one of the two upgrades in the moment until you've upgraded your full weapon and then decide, you know, is this the one I'm going to stick with? Which is exactly what I did. Or am I going to move over to another weapon? Wait, which one did you stick with? Which weapon? I use the hammer a lot. And really? Yeah. That's like the worst weapon in the game. Yeah, yeah said, I no, like said no one ever. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, uh, to be honest, in, in Mike's defense, yeah. too. in Mike's defense, a lot of times when, when I play like games like this where you have options to change your weapons and you have limited slots, the second I have more than like my slots worth of weapons, I go online and I say, what is the best weapon in the game? And <laughs> you th- sell out. Always, always, without fail. Because like, you know, you, you don't want to like throw all your resources into one weapon and then you realize, mm. oh, it's going to be replaced later. Like, wait for it. I do it with every game and it's just the way I like love to play it. So when I what I noticed is Every comment is different. Every single person is playing it a different way. There's no meta in terms of yes, you have to keep the war machete and you have to keep the the repeater, the the, the gun. Every single person was like, no, that was dumb. Why would you do that? Play with the uh, the twin pistol. That's way faster. Another person's like, no, 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 no. You need the hammer. Like, what are you talking about? It's the best weapon. Yeah. So well, that was actually one thing I actually found was it didn't matter what weapon you used at all. It would all like they all had their quirks, but it didn't really benefit you directly while playing the game. So I used the war machete a lot Same. at the beginning. Um, but then once a the flamethrower came along, <laughs> it was just way too good. Flamethrower was at Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's usually with every game. Whenever there's a mm. flamethrower, get rid of everything you have. Keep that flamethrower, more or less. No and, and usually, like, you're limited with ammo. With this one, it would replenish gas. So I'm like, let's burn this muck down. Let's go. <laughs> the roof. The roof. It's on fire, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I used the combo of the pike. So, like, I found, like, as I went through the game, I would pick between... So, it's fair to say that there are, like, a few different, um, like, hand-to-hand weapons and then a few different, like, distance weapons, right? Close range and then there's range. 100%. So, like, your pike, your brusher's pike, your... Which one was the pike? The pike was the spear. Ah. How do you say, is it the kale hammer? Sure. It's like Ceylandia, but uh, do you say the sail hammer or the kale handle? Jacob, this is your video game experience. Do you name it? Will you, will you read it? Will you hear it? However you want to say it. It's the hammer. Uh, excuse it's me. It's Thor's hammer. Excuse me. Yes. That's the Ceylandia hammer. Is that Alvin coming back to correct me? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> he's dead. Never coming back. Yes. He's um, buried in your backyard. <laughs> the scrap. Uh, so the war machete. And then from there, you had a bunch of like range weapons so army carbine breaker's bow calamity canyon fang repeater flame bellows galleon mortar and the scrap musket so tell me like you've already talked about some of your experience but like i went through pike or machete always and then i went from pistols to the flamethrower to the calamity canyon when i cannon when i got it of course i I think uh super weapon aside and i'll put those as like the super weapons the majority of my gameplay was war machete and the twin pistols just because i love the quick hack and slash of let's just like because you're in this game you're always surrounded by a lot of like minions that are coming to attack you from every way you just want to rapid fire and escape or just like spaz out and just get rid of everything you're just rolling you're, you're attacking and you're rolling you're yeah. attacking and you're rolling yeah so i use war machete and the twin pistols to get rid of things from far away but to be honest my actual weapon of choice was running and escaping the world once i got the shards <laughs> if i got the shards i'm not fighting anything i'm running and i'm gonna go away you didn't want every little last piece of upgrade token I, I did for like the first quarter of the game and then it got to the point where it was like it's getting hard let me just survive I, I, I always like panicked with the, the health which I'll kind of get into later that was kind of one of my little things I didn't like um, but I essentially just tried to escape and take as little damage as possible especially when you're overloaded in like a dungeon style where they keep you in one location that's when I was like okay kill kill kill, kill escape run <laughs> and the game is structured so that you have to get these cores and shards yeah. as you go through right 
Yeah, so we haven't explained the bastion itself. Right? Yeah. What is the bastion? Wait, b- b- before you even explain it, I just want to emphasize that I did not, what's like, I'll let you guys down. I also still do not even understand the story and what's going on. So this explanation is not just for the listener. It's for, <laughs> it's for me over here because they kept saying, the bastion, the calamity, the calamity, the bastion. The narratives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, what? Like, we keep talking about this thing. What? Maybe if I—that's the game we're playing. I appreciate that. Like in just a game where they didn't even need you to read, you <laughs> just couldn't even listen to. This there was story. a narrator. They he thought, told you everything. But, but you know what? That's to, not bad. To jump okay. in on that, so the guy narrated literally everything. I missed a lot because I zoned yeah. out his voice. After yep, a while. that's what I was trying and to get I missed to. key points. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think maybe because like we weren't like that invested in the game, we came in almost like, all right, let's just play this game. Maybe that's why. Where I think maybe Jacob and Mike like knew this game from like Genesis and where it began, and they're like, "Okay, I want this to be awesome," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that might have kept you guys mo- like holding on a little bit longer than me when I kept hearing that voice going. All right, we get it. We get it. It's Red Dead Redemption Two, <laughs> even though this came out like nine years before. I, I get what you're saying that the delivery can be quite consistent, and as a result, you know, it can become. Uh, Familiar and something you, you just tune out over time. Yeah, and it's not to diminish it in any way. It's just that's how I kind of absorb this this game and mm-hmm. the audio. So the bastion is what is left of the world once the calamity happens. The calamity is you know we expect some type of post apocalyptic mm-hmm. nuclear you know, explosion event, something like that. And the bastion in the game is a hub world, and that allows. Um, I think it's you and what's the name of our friend? With the, uh, the with narrator? The, deep, the narrator. Rux. Rux. Yeah, Rux with his deep gravelly voice. Um, you and Rux, I think, are natives of the Bastion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bastion is a hub world where you go from one area to the next to unlock more and more spaces. And as you gain more shards from the levels that you hop into, you're able to build out new things on the Bastion. Able to build out shops, armories, uh, places to upgrade your weapons and choose what tonic you want to drink. Things like that. Um, And I think that pretty much explains the Bastion. Yeah, there's also like the shrine, which is pretty cool, where you can like um, worship certain gods and these gods add multipliers of difficulty that make the game harder but also give you more currency as well. Did anyone use any of them? Yes. Nope. I did the first time I played through. Okay. I, as soon as I saw that, I literally did the same answer to the question. Nope, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not making this harder than it really is. But I'm oh, wondering. It doesn't make it harder. But, but I'm also wondering. Mm, not that much. And, and yeah. there's, there's a little bit to that question is I'm wondering, since you guys did do it, was it more fun? Did, did it make you more powerful? What? Did, how was your experience with doing powerful. it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe more powerful. <laughs> so I, I think the first time I did it, I chose... Uh, it makes the game more difficult, um, but as a result, gives you more currency mm-hmm. um, because, you know, give me that loot, give me that loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I found that it made my time the first time I played this game a lot more enjoyable because I was able to, to play with every weapon, completely upgrade everything, feel like I had all the resources I wanted. Um and it allowed me to have a whole lot of freedom in combat when whenever I was, you know, tackling something. Um, whereas this time around, I didn't quite feel like I had as much, um, but I'm sure I wasn't taking my time uh, this time around like I was the last and breaking down every single piece of rubble on the ground and every tree and every 
uh, guardrail and edge, collecting every little piece of upgrade token mm-hmm. that I could. Yeah, so there are like 10 of these shrines, yep. right? And some of them say like, we're going to make enemies more difficult. We're going to make your mm-hmm. projectiles deflect off these enemies at random. There's 10 of them, and I would say all the time I had about four of them activated, right? right? And four of them will add something like 30% extra, is it XP and currency? I think that's what it is. Which is incredibly valuable as you yeah, go yeah. into the game. But again, if you're playing the game twice, like I think Supergiant Games intends you to play, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter in the long run because you'll have plenty of money to get every single upgrade. Yeah, I felt like I was, with the nature of the podcast, like we're trying to get a game done. So I, I it, it was one of those games that was that pretty much me had me playing it way faster than maybe I normally would have. And that's why I say on the Switch, I think it'd be an awesome title. And I, I literally can see myself buying this game again on the Switch and just having it there for the odd train ride, the, mm-hmm. the plane ride. You have an hour to kill, two hours to kill. Get a couple levels in, and that's I think a situation where I was like, okay, maybe I would want to build up my thing and not just complete the main story. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a ton of sense because when I played this the first time, I played it over the course of a summer, and yeah. this is not a long game. I think no. it's on the high end, like eight nine hours. Um, so it was something that taking my time and playing through it over a summer, I absolutely loved. Um, so I got it on the Switch, and maybe it's just me, but I like to play Switch games like 90% of the time on the TV. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not using the Switch like I should. My Switch mm-hmm. is permanently docked. Yeah. It is not a handheld oh, wow. console for me at all. Mm-hmm. I, I had a Switch, and I got rid of it because I stopped playing for like three months. Um, and I almost always played it like either in bed or while I was hey, traveling. TMI, TMI. <laughs> Wait, oh, I get it because of playing with it. Uh, no, so anyway... <laughs> So yeah, I said, should I redo it? Should I redo it? No, keep going. Yeah, so uh, I, I played it essentially um, more or less in bed, and or I played it while I was commuting on the plane or uh, on a train, things like that. Um, just because of like the mobility of it. But then again, I did have a dock sometimes, but mm. for some reason the, the, the small children controllers kind of felt yeah. weird, and I didn't have the Ninte- the Nintendo like Mega controller. The children <laughs> controller. <laughs> This yeah. man has big hands. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I look. Unfortunately, Mo is a large human. Unfortunately, the switch doesn't fit my hands as as good as some people. So, like, I, I wanted to freaking actually. My hands better. are. If you're listening, uh, this is an audio medium, and you can't tell. Mo is showing us his ginormous hands. His beer paws. They are huge. So those are child no. controllers <laughs> to him. The pro controller is fantastic. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. And that's one of the things where maybe that makes more sense. If I had one of those, I would probably be playing it more on the the big screen too. Without right? without turning this into the switch cast. I, I only use a GameCube controller on my Switch. Oh, sure. oh sure. I only you play Ultimate. That's I more only real. play Smash Ultimate on it. That's, That's the only thing I've played so far. You're a GameCube Switch. controller elitist. I need to play Breath of the Wild. What are you going to tell me? That the Wavebird is the greatest controllers have been Never. made? Never. No. <laughs> right? It's what the Xbox it? 360 so, controller. Thank you. Yeah. This is why we're friends. Let's hold hands. Uh, you play with the Xbox 360 controller, right? Yeah, Nick? I did. I, I really liked it. But actually, before we get into that, didn't this game come out on iOS or something? Uh, at some point, I remember because I do remember really? back in the day seeing it in the app store. Look at you no, with no, the no, memory. No, 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 that was Braid. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. I just it just looks. I was like, oh no, is it Braid? No, <laughs> no it's it's on everything. It's on Windows, yeah. Mac, Linux, 360, Xbox One, iOS, PS4, PS Vita, Switch. Yeah. I remember that this was a game that was tested as a Chrome game. When right, and I remember playing through about half of this game. On Chrome. How many times hmm. have you played this game? Wow. This well, I never, well, more or I never less, actually like, finished it. Okay, but, yeah. but like give it like giving it a good like more than an hour, like three times, four three times. Three times, yeah, three times. Wow, you can probably still get it on the Chrome Web Store. I don't if know if I was a betting man. Yeah, if we that's can check still that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember it working surprisingly well on Chrome. 
It's almost a precursor to like Stadia. Yeah. Oh, weird. Interesting. Tying it into the present. What about those like side abilities? I feel like we have the weapons, but there's also always an ability to like summon things or create things. Um, the secret skills. Yeah. Um, I feel after this is one of the things where I kind of looked online and almost no one suggested the one I loved, which was creating the little worm floating guys. That's so useless. Oh man, it was it was so great for some for some reason it just it was so nice just having things that distracted the bad guys. Oh, so I, I could just say like friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it called like Squirt Love or something like that? Something, yeah, something yeah. suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. I know they were called squirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something suspicious. But anyway, so my and the way I used them was just to kind of keep the bad guys up preoccupied while I just pegged mm. them away with my bow and arrow my uh, repeater my twin pistols that, that was I guess the main use for them so it was like a utility rather than like a reinforcement uh, what did you guys kind of use more or less see I actually didn't use them very much at all to be honest so starting out couldn't even tell you what I used and then towards the end I used that um, deflection thing that mirror shield I think mm-hmm. because towards the end they gave me have a lot of people shooting at you yeah. so I figured like those counters would come in handy um, but other than that I didn't use much of those of abilities I use the ring of fire. Yeah, the, um, the turret thing? Yeah, yeah, no. So what's cool about this is, did you guys know that the proving grounds, if you got first place on any one of the seven proving grounds, they offered you a special secret skill that was better than the ones that you could buy in the store? I never got the best thing. I always got silver. Mm-hmm. And that's when I actually tried to get silver. And then they're like, okay, to get gold, you got to do this. I'm like, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not putting in 40 hours to perfect this one proving ground. But that's what the cool thing is, though. If you do put in the hours, if you had the switch, this is one of those things where you just pick up to try to beat the challenge and you i'm assuming you get like really rewarded but i've never done it yeah and the thing that you realize is like you probably can't do it without upgrading your weapon right you can't get first place and i was so mad i was like oh why can't i do this because you have to upgrade your weapon dummy gotta go back yeah yeah that makes so much sense because i i always started off i'm like this is way too hard i never done them ever like after that so it was the first one was the bow where you have to shoot multiple balloons or whatever it was yeah and then there was like couldn't do it, so I just never did a proven ground after that. Yeah, I only got first place on one, and yeah. it was the flamethrower, the fire bellows one, and that gave you the ring of fire, which created this this wheel of fire around you that just was an area of effect thing, and it was That's the beautiful. best. That sound, just in theory, that sounds like it'd be a great thing. Just the best. I got overwhelmed so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, I want, oh wait, sorry, Mike, what did did you use any special ability, or did you prefer anyone? Um, so I used the Ring of Fire one mm-hmm. that Jacob had suggested. You used the hammer a lot, right? So did you use the Whirlwind yeah. a lot? Which, which was that was the, spinny oh, hammer? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, which was the default one, but actually kind of worked well. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, this playthrough, I didn't change as much as I would have. Like, I, I usually min-max and find the optimal yeah. mix of weapons and tonics and, you know, everything under the sun. Uh, but this time I was like, I'm just going to play through. I'm just going to get my way through this game as your regular average Joe who doesn't, you know, find the, the optimal path. I think I touched on it earlier. The one thing that kind of irked me with the, um, the, the health, um, it was, it's probably not even a big deal to any of you, but for some reason I felt like the health potion kind of thing, they were always readily available everywhere. And, but you have to like click on the button to reload every single time. So it almost felt like, couldn't we just like have like a recharge bar that always did it? It just seemed like a useless click. Like you're going to do it every time. It's like a rapid fire kind of thing. It's like, why have that extra step? 
to recharge because so many times I drop low and they're like press F press F I'm like I know how about you just do it for me or like can, can we just have like a life charging thing when I leave the area it was that was one of the things where it felt like it was a feature added on but maybe there was a better solution for it that other games could have had so I actually I, I thought the opposite I liked how you had to choose when to use your health because I would kind of use them strategically so yeah. if I was like on those reflection portions I think they're called um, I'd be like half health, one potion left. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to use it okay, yet yeah. because I want to like, you know, get some more chips in and then I'll, I'll I can see that. You're right. Yeah. That that's, I kind of liked it. I didn't mind the, the health mechanics. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I can kind of see that now, but I just, I just felt like they were always there and like, okay, if they're always there, why do I have to keep using like, yeah. Did you guys use like good tonics as well? Because that was one like thing you would do so for me if i'm using health tonics i had wear whiskey and what wear whiskey did is it gave you like a rage ability so if you got below 33 percent you had a high chance to crit so i would often like play with fire i'm playing with wear whiskey and just leave my health really low so that i could crit more often and then when i was getting to that point of man you better get you better use your health that's when i would use my health tonics there was one that gave you an extra life right yeah that's the one i used Mm -hmm. Did, did Anyone use the crit regularly, or were you just launching projectiles like me and just hoping something crits? Like you know, when you time things, especially like the war machete, you gotta like crank it back and then let it go. To me, I felt like I was overwhelmed so many times. I just started rapid firing, and I was like, you know what, volume over like the precision hit. Unless it was a big guy, and my little squirts were <laughs> distracting people. Guys, come on, we're older. We're older. <laughs> come on. Giggles. Giggles, we're not older. <laughs> come on. Anyways, yeah. So I never really used that unless they're distracted. I could like probably land the shot. Maybe it was also because I was using mouse and keyboard, so I had to like point to where I was shooting it a lot of the time. Maybe with the controller, you kind of just tilt the stick one way, uh, and that might be, that might have influenced my gameplay too. Um, mm. The way I was playing the game. Yeah, I didn't really use the crit. Uh, at least for a machete, same thing. Like. I guess I, the only time when I use the throw is because I use the shotgun, which I believe wasn't very range, you know. So it, it whenever I had picked something off yeah. far away, that's the only time I really used it. Other than that, didn't charge anything very much yeah. if I didn't need to. Yeah, and see, I loved finding that rhythm of like because each weapon had a different timing window where you had to like let's say it was a second and a half where it was two seconds ready to hold it, and you had that split second almost like a Paper Mario or any kind of game with like an active battle system where you had even Pokemon where you have like that little split second to get that extra bit of damage. I loved it. Loved it. Can I just say that's probably now like just talking about it now probably one of the coolest things about the game. I wasn't a huge fan of the game, just want to say it, but the fact that each single one of us played it a completely different way, and someone would be like, "Yeah, I played it this way." It's like, why would you do that? I played it this way. That in itself is kind of the reason why we play games and we chat about them. It's the fact that everyone's playing it differently every time in their own experiences. I hate something, Nick likes. Nick hates something, Jacob likes, and vice versa. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty cool. What I like about that about the game too, kind of building off that is in addition to the weapons being all different, the enemies were all unique. And what's cool is they fit into like the, the, the world they were trying to build. So each enemy had a different function in the society that they were trying to build in the game, right? So like some of them had a pickaxe, right? So he's obviously like a worker, right? The squirts, maybe they're pets, I don't know. Um, but each enemy had a different function and a totally different attack pattern as well. So I felt like in addition to the weapons, that variety in enemies was also cool. I, yeah, I could not agree more about the variety of enemy. Like I felt like this game moves pretty quickly for how long it is. And I think a lot of that has to do with you're rarely facing the same enemy 
to the point that you're like, oh man, okay, give me some variety, give me something new. Like they move through the different types of enemies at a pretty quick pace, and that that keeps the game feeling fresh, and and keeps you keeps you feeling like you're making progress and you're moving through. Yeah, at a lot of games you'll find like later stages of the game they'll be like, hey, you, there, here's a red version of this enemy, and they're just tougher. But this game did not do that. All right, we have to get to it. What was the most annoying enemy you played against, or uh, you hated, or you just couldn't freaking figure out? I'm gonna go first. It's the most basic thing ever. It's just the regular turret that shot the white orb. <laughs> and like, and then here I'm gonna give you the reason why. There were so many times where you're on like a moving platform or you're on a thin platform, and they have them like spread out, where you have to like shoot them with a long distance weapon to kind of take them out. And I've been hit so many times with those, and it gets to the point where it's like I don't want to be hit right now, and then you get hit by four, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna dodge him. No, nope, I get hit by three. Like it, it, <laughs> it was, I think, just because they they were also all over like every single map, every single time you played anything, they had those. They chose those. No, so that that was kind of my big one. The other one, very easy to beat, but it was just scary. Was the I guess I wouldn't even call him a boss, but he was the first big guy, the bull that charged yeah. at me and was angry. Because one thing, I never used the shield. Almost the first half of the game, it was just never needed. So that one, it's like press the shield button. I'm like oh my god, oh my god, and he charges at you, charges <laughs> at you. You gotta wait till he cools down and chop him up. That was the other one that I was like, oh my god, this is just terrifying because I feel like I'm gonna die. Everyone else, I can take down, I can chop up, I'll live, I have a potion. But the bull kind of convinced me. All right, life is over. <laughs> Time to restart the, the level. The bull definitely feels like a character that is. Uh, that you definitely have a flip where you're like, oh, someone is stronger than me now. Yeah, because you feel invincible with the weapons, but that bull, it's like weapons, weapons. Yeah. Defend yourself now before I eat you. So I, um, it was that that burrowing worm thing. Don't know what it's called. The one that with the horn, yeah, the, sh- yeah. the shark almost. Yeah, it was kind of like that shark thing. So those things were like terrifying, especially when they start speeding up. And then I remember the first time you meet it was uh, there's also that jumping like. Monkey frog thing, thing, the frog. Yeah. You know what I called it? I called it a dog frog. A do- sure, yeah, dog frog. <laughs> Yours is called the ankle gator, but I called mine the dog frog. Oh, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. It was yeah. an alligator, ankle gator. Okay, all oh, right. Like yeah. it's gonna bite your ankles. Yeah. Just yeah. yummy ankles. Yeah, those things were terrifying. But I remember, yeah, first time it was those two things together. And I think those are two that I had the hardest time with. Yeah, mine was dog frog for sure. The froggy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The froggy thing. I couldn't figure out. I'm like, why can't you hit in the front? Because you have to roll and hit him in the back, you dummy. But then that's why the flamethrower was so good. <laughs> thing melted him. It was so OP. <laughs> um, so, I, in terms of gameplay, I felt I was just rolling constantly. Like, I was just mashing that A button. Just rolling, 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 woo. Rolling, 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 woo. Like nonstop, everywhere, everywhere I could go. If if I was trying to get somewhere, I was trying to get there faster by rolling. If I was in combat, I was rolling. There was not a moment in this game that I wasn't rolling. I was selective with my rolling. I didn't like I, like with, I remember when I played Spyro. Spyro, I did like the running, ju- jumping charge the entire game, just because that's how I moved. With this game, I I only rolled to escape to a, like a, a safe space, and then I launched my squirts, and then I shot from far, rolled away, get space, shoot from far, and that's kind of the cool thing. That was kind of my attack style. Did you guys ever roll or dodge as often as Mike? 
Yeah, I, I did. Like, is it Limp Biscuit that's rolling, rolling, rolling? Yeah. 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 That's what you were getting fact, at, right? I, I listened to that song today. I was, look, I was looking up uh, the Undertaker intro music from when he came out, and mm-hmm. I got to rolling, rolling. Oh, and I let that play. He came out my... to rolling at one point. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I need to watch old Undertaker. American matches. Bad Beep. American Bad Beep. Yeah, yeah when, I think you could say badass. When, when the American he, badass. When he came out with the the Harley Davidson, it was like. Keep rolling, rolling. And he comes into the Harley Davidson. He's like, <laughs> drives around the ring, parks, and then someone steals his motorcycle one time. Is what part of Bastion was that again? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> that was when the Undertaker. It was, it was the attitude level. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, Paul Bearer yeah. into a coffin, yeah. and then Bastion <laughs> happened, and yeah. scene. Then the calamity. Yeah. Wrestling is not welcome here. Get off it. Get off of this podcast. I'm gonna get Thomas, and we're gonna make our own wrestling Bastion. Do cast. it as long as it's not this one. <laughs> okay. Let's go, Bastion. What were we talking about? Wrestling. <laughs> John Cena is my favorite wrestler. We're talking. About- <laughs> <laughs> Who's that jumping up? The guys, sky? guys, guys. We were talking about rolling. Guys. Oh, our, yeah. Okay. Our, our, our subscriber count is tanking. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so take me away from wrestling. Help so me. I rolled everywhere yeah. in this game. Did you roll places? I, I rolled everywhere. Okay. I rolled all the time. I wish there was a counter for like how many times I rolled. Yes, that, that would have be been amazing. hilarious. Because it would have been, so been like. Six digits, <laughs> at, at least, at least. Imagine if you got like a Ge- GeoCities or an Angel Fire set at the end, and it was like, "Hey, how many times did you roll this entire time?" Here it is in really bad hit counter form. Love it. So I've, we've talked about the enemies, we've talked about the tonics, we've talked about the weapons, we've talked about the general gameplay. We we good to hop into the story here? I think so. I okay. think we are. So, Mo, I'm, I'm just gonna ask. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to be surprised here. Did you know what was going on in the story? Okay. How about I give you what I thought was going on and then maybe you guys can have a little bit of time. And here's the earth. All right. All right. Grab the popcorn. Let me get my notepad. Grab the popcorn. No, it's it's very, it's very simple. So, um, I'm going to be purely honest. I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to tell you exactly what was going on in my brain. Okay. So like almost like how Mike explained it earlier, there was some like tragedy that happened that like murdered or froze every single person in the world. And there was this one guy who survived and he's in this like supernatural kind of world itself. And he has to go around collecting magic stones or shards as they called them. And once he collects them, he's going to bring back civilization or bring back a new civilization, which is the new area you're in. That's why you're building new. Every time you get a shard, you're able to build a new building or new type. So a cemetery, a a distillery, things like that. So he's building society and the narrator is talking about how this guy is bringing back the world in this area. Bringing back the bastion. Yeah, so essentially that's kind of where, and then as he found new people, it's like, oh, it's another survivor. This person was part of it. He's going to help build our community. That's where my brain was going the entire way and as I kept building, it got to the point where I was playing the game and I was like, let me just get the next world, the next world and as I collected things, I'm like, I'm just rebuilding society. I'm just building a new world. Building a new world. And that's all I thought the entire way of the game. There was no real addition. So if I missed something, please help me. Because I really don't know what else the story was. You got a good chunk of Oh! <laughs> Look at Mogo. Right? Look at Mogo. All Mo he, knows. All Mo he knows. needed was a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> no text on screen. Uh, Nick, did you follow the story? Yeah, I followed it. it, was, it the only thing that got kind of like dicey for me was when Zolf turned and did that whole thing. And uh-huh, it's like, oh, why uh-huh. did he do that? There was some notebook. When he turns heel? Yeah. So that that was about it. Wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. But no, it's pretty much on the same page as Mo. Kind of knew what was going on. Kind of didn't. Lost a couple of things. But in the end, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You're just building up the Bastion. Right. Ultimately, right? 
Jacob, explain the story. Bastion is a story of imperialism. You're right. It is. Hey, I, I did the Mike Ruffalo thing. <laughs> Let me tell you about my theology now. <laughs> Your theology. <laughs> yeah, okay, I do go. not know if that was used correctly, Mike. <laughs> it's not, but I can't wait to hear it. All right, it. carry on. We're going to get biblical, folks. I love it. We're not going to get biblical. Okay. I just wanted to sound smart. And thus said the Lord. Yeah. The shard. <laughs> so the Ceylonians and the Ura have been Wait, warring are, factions forever. Are we talking about Lord of the Rings? No, this is the actual societies in this game. All right, Lord of the Rings plug over. Just carry <laughs> it. Um, the Bastion is a society rebuilding machine. It helps rewind time, and when fully powered up, can give you the power to return the world to a previous state. Is that... I didn't realize it was time travel. Uh, I, look, is it time travel, or is it just like... Physical restoration. In my it, mind, it's, it's like time a system travel. restore on Windows. A hundred percent. You're going to roll it back eleven times so that you don't screw it up the same Elon way. Elon Musk let is me guess. right. We live in a simulation. You screw it up the same way every single time because we're human, flawed beings. Um, yeah. But the Let's main characters. Quote we can. The main characters are Rux, who is the narrator. Um, there's the main character, the player character, who is called the kid, and then there are other characters, Zolf and Zaya. Right, and Zolf and Zaya were always treated like outsiders as part of the Ura. Um, you're part of the Ceylondians. You find out as time goes on, everything that Mo and Nick have said is accurate, but essentially, Mo, Mike, you're looking at me. Well, I just, I think for clarity, I think Zulf and... Zaya. Zaya were living in the Ceylondia uh, society. They were. As outsiders. Yes. Well, actually. <laughs> uh, you didn't see this, but I just pushed my glasses up further on my nose. But it struck me as like the Ceylondians took over the Ura's land. Right. Where the theme of imperialism kind of comes uh-huh. in and saying that like, we know how to run society. We're going to take everything that's yours and this is how things are going to be now. Uh-huh. And that furthers when they're like, hey, we've screwed up society, so we're going to get all these crystals and fix society to the place where it is before. Said every method. <laughs> what? What? Said every what? Method. Method? Meth head. Meth head. Consumer of meth. <laughs> <laughs> I heard said every method. I'm like, what are you, God now? Said every method. Um, Enough about methamphetamines. Yeah, and... You ha- essentially have to murder everyone to get the crystals and fix the world. This, <laughs> what a this game. game made me right. so yeah. depressed. <laughs> Mike, what did yeah. you take from this game? Uh, so, I don't think I took nearly as much as you. Uh, I think you have a much better sense of this. Um, I remember loving the absolute heck out of this story when I played this game for the first time. And now, I think partially because I was listening to podcasts and you know just playing through it and not quite paying attention to the story as much um it didn't make as much sense um but my understanding is that you find out that there's a that there's a twist so zolf turns heel and uh what does turning heel mean it means he betrays you he becomes the bad guy thank you um but you find out with added context later in the game that his uh becoming the bad guy and uh, prevent and wanting to prevent you from rebuilding the previous society had quite a bit of justification behind it. And a lot of that justification was that it, it seems like um, just before the calamity, just before the, the world collapsed, your society was building some type of bomb, was about to go to absolute war and try and 
kind of commit genocide against Zulf's people. Um, and he was absolutely expecting that th- same thing to happen or that same type of society to pop up had you been successful in building the bastion back up and rebuilding that society. And so um, you develop a bit of you know understanding where he's coming from. And, and I think this is absolutely fantastic storytelling that no villain is actually, you know, evil, especially in their own mind. They're just of conflicting uh, perspectives. And so, Mo? It's like Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong, but he's wrong. <laughs> it's a difference in worldview. Exactly. exactly. Excuse me, let me slap my fingers for you. Yeah. Um, there we go. And now I'm most no longer on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do that. So I, kept, I tried to pretend like I close my mouth. I'm like, someone say it. Someone say it. <laughs> Nick is gone I don't too. feel so good, Mo. <laughs> I still haven't seen Endgame. Go on. Me neither. Um, so what you end up finding out uh, is that, you know, Zolf was pretty justified in it. And, and as you progress through the game, you get to, I think, this like critical moment where... Um, going into the land of the Ura. Um, they're all attacking you, and Zulf is then being attacked by them for having essentially led you back to their to their home base, to where they are. And you're laying waste to the place. And then you're posed this question. Do you try and save him because he's still alive, unconscious on the ground, or do you leave him be, knowing that he betrayed you? He was someone you brought into the Bastion, was one of you, um, and then, you know, stabbed you in the back. And so I thought this was a really interesting, really, really touching point, depending on what you did. I already know what Mo did. He left him. <laughs> Jacob, what did you do? Can we confirm? He's not lying. <laughs> I, look, I know Mo. I, le- I, mean, I, I left I've him. known Mike for more than a decade. Yeah. There's there's little differences he doesn't know, but he's got a good nutshell <laughs> explanation. Like, if someone, if he had to draw me out or write an autobiography with no references, he'd get like 80% right. <laughs> what would he get wrong? Oh, I don't know. This is this is more of a deeper question than I want to dive into. <laughs> <laughs> puppies. Your love for puppies. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. He loves puppies. Yeah. Um, I moved on. I left Zolf behind. Wow. Yeah. Both times? Uh, I didn't play the game two times through. So I played the game like 10 years ago, Uh right? Uh, Eight years ago. Played it once through and then played it here once through. Started a second playthrough but haven't gotten to the end of the game yet. So even the second time you played it, this time... I don't remember things. That was eight years ago. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. I just left them. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what this game's about. It's about I'm the bad guy. It's spec ops the line, but cute. I mean, yeah. I'm the bad ish, guy. Where's Walt Williams? Ish. Did he write this? It was not, though, an issue of, of mental health. But, uh, anyways. Uh, similar lines, like parallel. Well, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Greg Kasavin worked on Spec Ops. He did. He was a uh, producer, a producer for yeah. at 2K on it. Exactly. Yes. Okay, Nick, I'm betting that you left him. I absolutely did leave him. Because <laughs> that guy was the worst. Come on. <laughs> No, but on the, the main reason, okay, this is my kind of thought process moving through it. I was oh, playing like, with mon- I'm, I'm recording with monsters over here. <laughs> well, I, you have that pretty sweet battering ram, right, going uh-huh. through. And I'm like, well, if I take this guy, will I be able to flail him around and hit people? <laughs> 
And I figured the answer would be no, so that's why I left it. Let me, let me tell you, Nick, you're right. Zolf, not a weapon. You know, I, I did the, the thing you, I guess you're not supposed to do. Maybe I should stop doing it, but I look up both options. Does it affect me? Does it affect the story? Am I going to get a better weapon? It does affect the story. Yeah, so then I was like, eh, you know what? Goes my gut. Michael, okay. what did you do? So, I, I, I think it's pretty clear I, I saved him. Mm. I saved him. Mm, okay. Yep. Uh, so, question for the people who didn't save him, the monsters before me. Uh, what <laughs> what ends up happening when you don't save him? What 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 is what happens next? So you have to go through the whole sequence, I guess. Um, you have to kill everything, you right? Kill a bunch of dudes, and then you go through, and you then play the part. Yeah, and then I, th- I think yeah, you just kind of go through, and then go back to the bastion, and then that's pretty much the end of the game, isn't it? Like. Yeah, you're given the final choice, but like mm. you just kill everything again. Yeah, All right. So you yeah. commit suicide or yeah, genocide? Genocide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm. just like Undertale, which we played a few weeks ago. Oh. Genocide. Yep. Yeah. And he's not in the credits. No more photos of Zolf. No. Bye, bye, Zolf. Interesting. So if you save Zolf because you realize that you need to break the chain of uh, abuse and you need to show a positive example and that you you aren't fated to. Uh, continue to make the mistakes of your past because Lame. you understand what it was. <laughs> I know I'm a nerd. Uh, w- what ends up happening then is you pick him up and you put him on your shoulder and you can't use any weapons. And the only thing you can do is walk forward through the area that you would otherwise, I think, have to kill and fight everything. And everything just starts unleashing on you. Every enemy that you see starts shooting. But then as you progress further and further, um, they stop and they realize that, oh, you are, you're trying here. You're, you're not fighting back. You're trying to be a better person. You're not trying to commit genocide. <laughs> and like your health keeps going down. You have to use health kits. Yeah. Right. And they realize like, oh, actually he's, he's taking Zolf out of here. Just let him, let exactly. him go. Exactly. Yeah. There's a point and I, it's cause I watched the other piece of it. Like Mo did. There's a point where there's an Ura soldier who starts shooting you after there's been a break. And one of the other Ura soldiers kills him and says like, no, you're just let him go or knocks him out. I thought it was a really mm-hmm. cool oh, little wow. moment. Yeah. It's a little cool moment. And the music is amazing during this period, during this section. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you leave the bastion and, you know, you're able to, to build it back up and all that good stuff and, and break the cycle of history and et cetera, et cetera. Does anyone know what's going on with the sequel? With like, cause apparently like depending on the decision you make, there's like two follow up games or something based off of huh. like if you, you choose restore or not restore, it's like there's two storylines or something. I, I was just, when I did like my initial research and stuff that caught that and I kind of creeped a bit. Interesting. So you're saying that Supergiant Games' f- further games are sequels or pseudo-sequels Set to this one. Set them up to be sequels? Huh. Interesting. So Supergiant has released two games since Bastion, the first being Transistor, which was a neo-futuristic puzzle game, I guess. And then uh, the most recent game is Pyre, and I think that came out in, what, 2016? Yeah, and it's like a basketball game. Kind it's, of. it's like fantasy... Fantasy basketball. And when I say fantasy basketball, I mean like fantasy is in Lord of the Rings basketball. Oh, I thought you were saying like NBA drafts. Like I got a fantasy pool, guys. 20 bucks. Yeah, I got LeBron. You pick your teams, though. Yeah. I'm surprised that we said Lord of the Rings and Mo didn't flinch at all. 
Moses, my precious. Well, I'm, I'm actually looking up where I found that sequel thing to see if I made it up right. He's like, guys, totally Mo's having, yeah. <laughs> Mo's having fever dreams about Bastion. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wake up tonight. I might have dreamt it. <laughs> He's going to wake up tonight and say, they talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, when you save Zolf, it's an amazing moment. And I cannot imagine playing this game and not having that moment. It absolutely made it for me. So you drop the last crystal into the bastion to restore the bastion. And then you're given the final choice of either are you going to restore the world to a previous point or are you going to try and, you know, not use the bastion to reverse time or restore. You're just going to try and make the world a better place with the decisions that have already been made. So what did you do? That to me is a less... Go ahead, sorry. Okay. Uh, So for you, it sounds like it's a less clear choice. Yeah. Um, For me, it was I've already made a choice to break the cycle and to not repeat history. So why would I go back and follow that up again? So I chose, again, not to restore it to what it was, but to take what happened as a lesson and build something new from there. See, I kind of was like, Zolf, I let you die. You know what? You're dead. I'm doing what you didn't want me to do, Zolf. I'm going to bring it all back. <laughs> You're a monster, Nick. You're a monster. Yeah, and then me, my, my thought process was, I'm not petty in real life, but in video games, I want to try new personalities. So you petty, try on new hats. Yeah, petty game strong and bastion for me. You're like Jacob being the bad guy in um, The Wolf Among Us. Yeah, I'm such a good bad guy, yeah, guys. That, yeah, but that's why we play games, you know? like You, can, you, you don't want to just live your life in a video game you're going to play. Mm-hmm. You want to try something cool, try something else, do something different. Well, that brings up an interesting ethical dilemma. Because I, I believe it's Aristotle that says uh, you need to practice being ethical. And I think video games are a great place to practice being ethical. I practice in real life. So, I mean, if you, <laughs> I don't practice, practice ever. So. In real life. Uh, Jacob, what did you do? Um, so I, I like to embody characters, as you know, uh, right? Like, like Mr. Bigby. You role play. I role, I role play hard. You LARP. I, I LARP in video game form. Dagger, dagger, dagger. That's what I do in real life. Um, no, I, I needed to like follow through with my plan. So imagine that I'm this mastermind who's standing on top and saying, "Yes, the world is mine." I'm not going to stop now. Like I've got what I need. I'm going to hit the big red button and restore the bastion to what it was before. So it was just a matter of like me following through. Mm-hmm. Real. I actually kind of realized when I left Solf that I'm like, oh, you know, what? actually like I kind of because you get to more item information and you find out that like, oh, you're like a really kind of bad person. Um, but I still followed through with it. It's also cool because at that point, Zaya speaks for the first time ever mm-hmm. in the game, and she's like kind of your your good conscience, where she's like, "Hey, ha- like let's let's break the cycle. Like don't don't do this again. We can learn from the mistakes that we had. You almost tried to kill all of us, but like it's cool. It's water fine. under the bridge. Water under the bridge, <laughs> and not over my head. Yeah. So I I follow through, and I just did the, you know I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. You left no witnesses. I killed everyone. Well, at least you're consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I play the game again, I will make sure to try it on like the good side. Okay, you had a no Russian. That, uh, yeah. I t- <laughs> that was you like bandaging the situation in case you run for office in like 15 years. And, like, 
and it's held against you. You murderer. You have yeah, control the country. Yeah. I'm going to have to delete this whole feed because this whole podcast is just me being a bad man in video games. I have, true. I have it all on a flash drive just in case I need to. Like, I'm a good man a in real man. life. I'm a good man in real life. I swear. You've known me for yeah. how long? How, Mike, I Mike, Mike, how many this. good guys have you heard scream that in a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> it's kidding. really compelling and convincing when you have to I, tell people I, you're a good person. I'm, not I'm a convinced. Crook. I'm yeah. convinced. I'm not a crook. I'm not a crook. Nah. Guys, how did you guys feel about Bastion? It was very okay. It was, wasn't crazy about it, though. Uh, I really love the game. Uh, one thing that wasn't touched on is like the sound and the music. We touched on it. The music, so uh, the final song, uh, Setting Sail, Coming Home, Darren Korb and um, Ashley Barrett, who was the voice of Zaya and the voice of Zolf. That song was in my iTunes library for 10 years mm-hmm. or for however long. Like The song is incredible. The music's incredible. The sound design is incredible. How I feel about Bastion, I don't feel... It held up as well as I remembered, but to me it is, and, and that's mechanically speaking. Like, it, I don't, I don't want to say it's mm-hmm. dated, but like it, the scope of the game is very small. We're like the same person, only I'm good and you're bad. Yeah, can we be on Mo's shoulder and I can tell him bad <laughs> things? Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, it's not aged incredibly well. I still think it's worthwhile. Like, if you see it, it was on sale for fifty percent off on the Switch. Like, totally worth it. Grab it on the Switch. Um, do a little bit of research first, because if you don't like this type of game, like I wouldn't say like, "Hey, you need to play this," but it's good. I I just finished the game only like a couple hours ago before recording this podcast, um, and I tried to come really hard not to think about my opinion of it. I want to make it come like raw right now. So, anyways, how do I feel about Bastion? I felt like it was it was a type of game that I just normally wouldn't play. The platformer style, more or less, it is a little bit of an adventure, but. Um, I still kind of consider it a platformer in, in some you ways. You're platform. You're not it, jumping on anything. It, so this is how I feel about it. You so, get a jump in the end. <laughs> yeah, so essentially, uh, it's just the, this style of game where you, I'm not a huge fan, but Bastion, I think, did it really well. Um, I, I really enjoyed the three, like, two and a half D, uh, I guess, angle of the, the camera and the way you're navigating. Building up weapons was a really cool thing. And it can't, even with this conversation in general, the fact that the, the way I played it, there's some things I really got annoyed by, and then Nick had a really good experience with things I was annoyed by. I'm like, oh, okay. So it was a lot more than what I originally had at face value. So if I was to recommend it to someone, I'd say, you know what? If you want to play for a Switch or you want a title that you can just mash up every, if, whenever you have 30 minutes, it's almost like the perfect title. The story's great. The music, like you said, it it, it was one of the most like the, the best things in the game. The sounds in general, the, the, the noises of the NPCs, the bad guys that are coming at you, everything was unique. It was very well put together, which is not something you can say about all the games in that era and all the games that you can buy right now for quick consumption. There's always one bad thing you don't like about it. This one had everything was really, really good. The story was kind of cool, too. Um, even with all this praise, if you were to ask me what I play it again, I think only on a Switch for quick consumption. And if I was able to absorb it for a summer like Mike kind of played it, I think I'd have a way better experience. So in terms of a ten, star of 10, I'd probably give it like an 8 the only reason it's not a 9 or a 10 is because I want to take my time. I want to absorb everything. I just don't want to power through it. I wouldn't give it anything less because it does not deserve anything less. So it's the craft beer of action RPGs is what you're saying. Yeah, but it's a craft beer for everyone because I feel like every single person that plays video games can play it. It's like right. whereas craft beer. Some people are like, oh, no, it's just it's not my thing. It can't be not your thing or you just don't like video games. It's the craft heads blueberry blonde. Yeah, for, yes. for people that have now, that's a sweet. That's a, that's a local <laughs> brew in uh, in Windsor, Ontario. That's very very good. Mike, what did you think about uh, about this game? So I remember absolutely loving this game. 
thinking it was a classic, one of the best. I was really excited to hop in and play it again. But playing it this time, the controls didn't feel very tight. It didn't feel as responsive. And it felt like I was fighting it more than I remember ever having done before. And I thought it might be something that gets better over time. But it never really got there for me. And I assume that if this game was remade today with more modern tools and technology, it would be more responsive, it would be tighter, and it would be better. Um, And I still think the story was fantastic. I still think the writing was great. The music was phenomenal. I love the aesthetic. I love the way that the world builds as you move through it and as the narrator tells the story. I love the little seemingly insignificant little triggers that has the narrator say something. Um, I think as a whole, this game was fantastic, but playing it again now, it just didn't feel like it held up from a gameplay perspective. And that's really tough to, to get over. Um, so again, love so much of what this game was. I don't know if I would play it again in its current, current form. So we've talked about their three games that came out. They have another game now out in early access. Hades. Has anyone here checked it out? No? I have not. I I was so excited to play the next Supergiant game after playing Bastion, and I have not played any since. Hmm. I'm going to fire up Pyre, like, very soon. Okay. And are you going to check out Hades from the sound of it? Because it's an action RPG, again. Pyre is probably what I'll play next. I, I, I own Transistor. It's in my Steam library. Um, but Pyre is the one that I think sounds the most interesting. Fantasy yeah. basketball. I bounced off Transistor very hard because it's more of an action puzzle game, as you said. But I'm excited to try Pyre. And uh, you can get Hades. By the time you hear this, it might, not, it might not be the price. Um, but it is on the Epic Game Store at a hefty discount uh, in early access. So you might want to check that out if you liked our Bastion, Bastion cast. Well, guys, if I wanted to jump on and continue the discussion, where could I do so? You could hop into the Discord, where there are a lot of new people joining every week, uh, where they're talking about hot new deals, hot new games, spoilers about the games that we're currently playing, um, and discussion about the games that we just finished uh, in our recent episode. So head on over to leftbehindgame.club. There's a big fat button in the middle of the website that says join the Discord, and it'll pop you right inside. Is that right, Mo? That sure is. Uh, and we love the discussion, guys. Anything you bring up, if you completely disagree with any of us, that's one of my favorite things to see a comment that I completely didn't realize. Every single time we record one of these podcasts, there's always someone that chimes in and says, yo, what about this? And it's like, holy, yeah, what about that? So we definitely encourage that and something we really want to see. Jacob, where can the file folks find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob Accord on all major social media platforms, but I like to spend a lot of time on Twitter. You can also find me in the Discord. Mo, where can the people find you? You can find me at Embertotti on almost all social media platforms or Embertotti.com. Mr. Nick, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me on all social media at Nick O'Hagan Wong <laughs> or on the Discord as The Red Crayon. The Red Crayon. I don't know. I was like 13. <laughs> we all have bad ones. It's fine. <laughs> to, to be yeah, fair, let's Nick. Let's not talk about mine. Yeah, to be fair, Nick, I added you like on Steam so long ago and I remember it just because the Red Crayon is so unique and I'm like, that's Nick from my It really is. It's from, it my, from, my, from my group project in undergrad. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> it sticks in the brain like there the crayon go. in Homer's brain. Uh, and you can find me, uh, Michael Ruflo, at michaelruflo.com or RufloM on most social places online. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Mm-hmm.